Phil Spencer says that they will not put games behind exclusivity of Game Pass itself and says that Xbox is not just about Game Pass. I myself speculated that they would do this. They would put games exclusively to the Game Pass subscription to help hit their high Game Pass subscriber goals, but it turns out I was wrong. Even recently on an episode of Sacred Symbols, they discussed how to make Game Pass more sticky. The Xbox leaks pointing to very, very high aspirations for the sub-funnel, and many people are speculating how exactly they would do that, looking to TV models, movie models, other subscription models, and how they manage to keep people and get more people into their funnel. The idea is, how do you make it hard to leave, while also enticing new customers to jump in? Well, to me, making a game only available on Game Pass would be a way to achieve that goal. And even though, I mean, if you really think about how they're handling Office 365, Microsoft seems to like to put things behind a subservice, basically taking away consumer choice and Phil doesn't want to do that we need to look at what he said and I think it'd be helpful also to consider other ways they could leverage perks and benefits that would be exclusive to Game Pass even if it's not a game in and of itself this would help I think make Game Pass more appealing it would help it grow and keep more people in the funnel now I put more of I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video it's a longer video because it's a live stream I have a live conversation with the audience so make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss my shows Will Xbox ever put a game exclusively on Game Pass? Would they ever make a game not traditionally purchasable to help drive subscribers to Xbox Game Pass? Well, according to Phil Spencer, no, they will not be doing that. He says that they want to offer players choice. So I wanted to consider this as an idea because I actually think it would be one of the ways, one of the strategies that you could get more people onto the Game Pass sub-funnel. And first, I want to think about all of the good that could come from this because I do think there are going to be people that say hey this is a terrible idea like this would be awful don't let this happen I actually think there could be some good that would come from it but almost none all right they've said they're not doing this the point is if a strong enough business and commercial case could be made they would likely change their mind second I want to talk about all of the bad that could come from a game pass exclusive there's way more bad that would come from this I will say that I'm glad that Phil is like hey we're not doing that he gave pretty strong terms about why they would not be making a decision like this because it does in my mind seem like the logical destination and the logical trajectory of a game sub centric model third I do want to talk about what could work. I do think there are some things they could do with Game Pass that would make it feel more exclusive, more exciting, like get more people in there and make it really hard to leave. I do think it could evolve over time with more perks, features, and benefits. And I do think, though still, the hard nut to crack is the PC user base. I don't think you're going to win a lot of them over to the subservice, so you have to start thinking about the other avenues that Game Pass could grow in mobile or cloud. I think there are things that they could leverage to increase that sub base. Now, lastly, I do want to highlight all the things that Phil has said recently that ultimately went the other way. This is not a hit piece on the man, but I think he does say what's necessary for the time and place. And plans change. We have seen that happen recently. The pattern is not very encouraging, given how much recently he has said that gets walked back or just flat out didn't 
happen. I'm not interested in calling the man a liar. I think people in his position, they say what's necessary at the time, and then over time, plans can change. So first, what good could come from a Game Pass exclusive? There's really only two things to establish in this section, because listen, a Game Pass exclusive sounds terrible. We're not talking about Xbox exclusives. We're talking about an exclusive to Game Pass. Like, you couldn't buy the game, all right? That sounds awful. So just so we're crystal clear, I'm not talking about Xbox exclusives. I'm talking about a Game Pass exclusive. Something that would only be playable if you subscribe to Game Pass. Just like you can only watch, you know, Ahsoka right now if you subscribe to Disney Plus, you can't get it anywhere else. That's kind of the way I'm thinking about this. I made the prediction that Microsoft will ultimately take Game Pass in that direction in the future. Now, notice I said Microsoft, not Xbox. I believe that if Game Pass gets to the right size, if they think it's the right call, if the research indicates it's the good thing to do, Microsoft would 100% convert Game Pass in a sub-to-play model. I don't think Phil Spencer wants that. I don't think the Xbox executives want that. But Microsoft would certainly love it if they had enough market leverage and pull to push towards that direction. And that's ultimately the only good that would come from this is Game Pass exclusives would help grow Game Pass. It would just benefit your sub count. You would make it to where people felt like, well, I have to sub. If I want to play that game, imagine a game like Elder Scrolls. Okay, they, they launch it. It's huge. Everyone's talking about it and you can't play it anywhere else. You can only play it if you sub to Game Pass. Well, that would 100% that would really, really help grow your sub base numbers. Now, people would probably do it begrudgingly. I don't think it would actually go over all that well in the market. It would potentially benefit consumers if the sub count of Game Pass got high enough that it was no longer a loss lead. Right now, they don't make money on it. It costs way more money to get the deals. Like, it's basically their loss leader, right? We've seen this through all the documents and how it's handled and how much it costs just to get third-party games on it. So, this could lead to better investment into the games that hit Game Pass. If they're actually able to get... Game Pass to 100 million subscribers like they want to, that would be better for the consumer because they're making more money. They would then be incentivized to invest more in the games and the studios that are that are funneling you know that cadence of delivery and making sure that games are coming out on time. The other thing to consider here is that the model of Netflix, HBO, Disney Plus, it's literally that you make first party content and it's not purchasable. You can only get it on our sub purchase, right? Now, and I know initially they do that and then later on you can buy things. It usually takes a very long time. Like if you want to buy something like the Mandalorian or something, that takes a really, really long time. So a timed Game Pass exclusive actually doesn't sound crazy if you think about the other submodels. Like, I don't think this person asked this question of Phil. We're going to look at what he said in a moment. I don't think they asked that question out of the blue. I myself was like, I think they'll move in that direction. It's what the other subservices do. It makes good business sense. I'm not saying I want them to do it. I'm saying it just makes good business sense. It's like, we've got all this property. You know, if you want to play it, get on our subservice. It's like when you invest in a show... Uh, like Queen's Gambit or something for Netflix. It's like, well, we invested in this. It's ours. If you want it, come and come and sub to the service to play it. So it takes a long time. They leverage shows like this for TV outlets and TV subscription services. So overall, there is not any good that would come from this other than growing the Game Pass number. And it's hard not to think that it might happen eventually because if you look at the other submodels that are out there, which 
one of the reasons this idea has likely come up is that they need to grow the sub number and this seems like a great way to do it so now let's talk about all of the bad that would come from this okay hopefully even people who seemingly cheer for everything xbox does hopefully even they see that this is a bad idea if they were to do this they should be happy that phil said no like anybody looking at this interview should be like yes that's the right answer phil you don't want to put games behind a sub wall you want to still let us purchase them if we want i just want to say from the start that establishing this is very important. It will be really hard to defend it if it ever happens. If we largely decry it now, if as a consumer base we say, absolutely not, don't ever do that, that will reinforce the decision for them to not do it. If the market were to bear this decision, I always tell people, you know, that say, well, the the microtransactions in Fortnite are just too expensive. Well, the problem is the market bears it. Like, if the market wouldn't have supported really expensive skins in Fortnite, the prices of those skins would have come down so if you don't want them to do this you gotta kind of hold that line right you gotta say listen no we don't ever want this to happen so first and foremost i echo what phil said about choice if they did this it would result in less consumer choice the concern would be that it would be justified by saying well more games are in more places that seems to be the mantra to even justify insane levels of consolidation i saw folks saying that if microsoft were to buy nintendo well that would be good for us because more games in more places okay that's not a universal axiom that makes every business decision good like just because the games are in more places doesn't mean you're benefiting as a consumer you might be getting less quality games you might be diluting those games because you're having to make them for multiple platforms you're having to ship them on time which gets really difficult when the when the actual project gets larger because now you're developing for multiple systems so i could definitely see people using that line of reasoning to justify this well they're putting more games in more places so it's okay that they're sub only there it's okay that we can't buy them somebody would say something like well they put game pass everywhere it's on tvs phones tablets console it's on pc a game pass exclusive is totally fine we do not ever want to give argumentation like that a foothold because that would be terrible for us as consumers this is why consumers need to prize choice you need to prize competition it benefits you you don't want everything siloed up into one company or just a couple of companies you want lots of studios developers publishers you really want them operating on their own we don't want everything gobbled up even looking at what's going on with embracer group right now when you gobble up eventually things start to bust and you got to downsize that is a very big risk with these sorts of decisions so different platforms different offers different methods of engaging that's important for you removing your choice not allowing a game to be purchased would be terrible it ultimately would lead to the complete and total end of video game ownership now many will say that's already happened they'll say well you don't actually own the game you don't own a cartridge that's yours that contains the game like in the days of old you're paying for a license and that license can be revoked at any time according to terms of service but here's the thing i'm still paying money and own a license i own something it's mine it's like i have a license to play this game moving a game to sub only would mean that i own nothing i don't have a license I don't have a download, I don't have a game, I don't have a disc, I don't have anything. It would be purely a subscription that only grants access so long as the sub is active. 
Does that make sense? Like, my license to play a game doesn't require me to do anything. It's just there. Now, periodically, sure, sometimes you might have to, like, connect your console to the internet and it verifies the license, but you're not having to pay money. Imagine a game doing that, being like, yeah, here's your license to pay, uh, here's your license to play, and then they come back every month. They're like, we're going to need another $5 if you want to keep playing this. That's essentially what this would be like. It would be a sub-model where only the game's existed there again i'm going to reiterate you should be glad that phil spencer said no to this okay because this would be two losses with one stone you would lose choice as a consumer but you would also lose ownership neither of these would be good for you which also leads to another big negative that would come from this a drop in quality This is why maintaining buy-to-play is so important. It establishes a very clear value proposition. Here's the full game. Buy it. Check reviews before buying it, right? A subservice dilutes that. You're not buying the game. You're buying a subscription. And that value is more spread out. It's more subjective. An individual game at that point is just a small part to a larger collective. It would compound the existing problem that we've already talked about. I've talked about this in other videos. Prioritizing cadence over quality. We saw this with Jedi Survivor. Disney wanted a new Star Wars game every six months, and Jedi Survivor came out before it was ready. Why? Cadence was prioritized over quality. I've already expressed this concern about Phil wanting a big game at quality once a quarter for Game Pass. That is placing emphasis on cadence. And if they started doing Game Pass exclusives, well, Cadence would become even more important. So, while I think a Game Pass exclusive would be bad, there are also some good things I think they could leverage here that wouldn't be games, but perks and benefits. I do think there are things they could do to evolve Game Pass to help it grow. So let's talk about that. What could work? First, I think exclusive perks would be a great place to start. Imagine... When Call of Duty lands on Game Pass, it likely will. I think the earliest dates we're seeing is like 2025, okay? So sure, you can buy it if you want, all right? But those who have Game Pass could get items every season or extra stuff on their Battle Pass. That would be a new value offer. Instead of saying, well, here's a bunch of games you don't have to buy. You don't have to buy Call of Duty anymore. That's great. I think a lot of people are already convinced the rest of the rest of the gaming community, like subservices have plateaued for a reason. I don't think people are won over necessarily by that as much as they used to. The average person that's planning on buying a couple of games a year, they're just going to continue doing that instead of, you know, getting them on a subservice. So instead of just saying, oh, hey, Call of Duty is on Game Pass now, you'd say, no, 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 no. Not only is Call of Duty on Game Pass, but here's a bunch of perks. Here's a bunch of stuff every month that you get only on Game Pass. Now, obviously, the people playing on PlayStation would feel a certain kind of way about that. People playing on PC might be won over by this. They would say, listen, I, I like I don't need... I don't need to, to to subscribe to Game Pass for all these other games, but if I'm going to be getting like something in Call of Duty, like a currency or something, every month, that would be a great reason to stay. So that's exclusive to Game Pass, but it's not a game. It's just a perk. Beyond just perks, I've continued to say that early access would be an easy win for Game Pass. If you buy the game, 
as a Game Pass subscriber, you could get the discount that you get as a Game Pass subscriber, and then get the added bonus of like playing the game a week early. I'm not talking about pre-ordering here. This is this would be different. This would be a specific transaction of you saying, "I I know I have Game Pass. I know the game is coming to Game Pass. I would like to play it early. I'm gonna buy it." Then I own the game no matter what happens to the Game Pass subscription funnel. Now, I know folks hate this because of FOMO, fear of missing out. That's what FOMO stands for. But paying for extras to get something early, like we pay for expedited shipping. We pay for expedited order processing. If we want to get something faster from a company, advanced movie screenings are also a thing. So Game Pass subscribers being able to get into something earlier if they choose to pay for it, I think that'd be another great way to get people into your Game Pass funnel. You would also get the people that are like, listen, I don't really do Game Pass. I buy one or two games a year, and that's all that really matters to me. Well, if they know they can play the game early, they might think Game Pass is worth being on, especially if games start coming out at better cadences, at better release times. As a Game Pass subscriber, you can easily wait. You could play the game on launch date. You could play it day and date. I know there's a big debate going on right now about is early access the release date or is the release date the release date, right? I know there's a big debate about that. I don't get hung up on that. If somebody wants to pre-order the game or buy some crazy edition so they can get in 72 hours early, I don't care. It's a leisure market. If somebody wants to pay more for premium, that's fine. That exists in so many other places. I would also see, I think here, a great dovetail between Game Pass and live service games. Imagine if Halo Infinite was booming and they were having like a successful and vibrant player base. People tell me it's in a much better state right now, but the player base is very, very low. It doesn't rank very high anywhere that we've looked. But let's just imagine that was not the case. Let's imagine Halo Infinite was booming. It had a, it had you know big seasons every three months and big surges in their player pool. Well, you could give players a monthly currency as part of Game Pass. That would funnel people to the micro store in Halo Infinite, which is great, but it also incentivizes your most loyal players to get on Game Pass to maximize everything they can get in Halo. And if it's a live service game that's doing something every season, they don't ever want to get off of Game Pass. They want to stay on there. Again, you're making it more of a service. It's more of a sticky thing. Instead of right now, it's just this big smattering of games so people jump on when a game's coming out they're interested in and then they jump back off. It's it's probably why the sub numbers have plateaued. So you could broker a deal with Fortnite. You know, every month, Game Pass subs would get some V-Bucks. Everybody knows when you get a little currency for an in-game store, you're more likely to spend. You're going to go to that micro store and spend, especially if the amount's not enough for any of the good items, right? They always give you enough for like the little chintzy items, so then you got to, you know, pony up some of your own money. That's great for patient players as well. You could save up. You could say, hey, I'm getting V-Bucks every month as a Game Pass subscriber, and then eventually buy like a really big item. What, What that would do to that player is they would be connecting the value and what they get in Fortnite to game pass see now what you're doing is is you're tethering a gamer's experience and what they enjoy and what they love and you're tethering that to your service which i think would be another good evolution for game pass as a subscription funnel think about what internet and tv companies do they try to get you on multiple services because it makes them sticky that's what that's called like we want to be sticky we want it to be really hard for people to drop our services if you've got internet TV, if you still have a home phone because you're ancient and weird, uh, if you have all those services, well, it's a lot harder to switch. 
if you just have internet, it's easier to switch. You're like, yeah, I don't like your internet. I'm going to go with their internet. But when you're going to switch and lose your TV, you're going to lose really sweet discounts. That makes it sticky. It makes it hard for you to leave. Imagine having Game Pass and having perks that are touching a handful of the games that you play regularly, right? You're getting currency in Fortnite. You're getting stuff in, you know, Call of Duty. You're getting extra stuff on the Battle Pass, whatever. If it's touching all these games that you're playing regularly, in addition to seeing a constant flow of new games to play every month, whether they're indies or big first-party titles from Xbox... You wouldn't just be losing access to Game Pass games. You'd be losing all of those sweet perks. You'd be losing all of those sweet benefits. That would make it a lot harder to leave. It'd make it a lot more winsome for people to dive in. This would even allow you to get more people on Ultimate or raise your price, right? People probably hate what I'm saying right now, but seriously, think about it. If you give subscribers a whole new set of perks and benefits, put them on Ultimate. That'd be all the more reason to be like, nah, if you want all this extra goody-goody stuff, man, you gotta be up here on Ultimate. And you could arguably increase the price of Ultimate, right? You could have, like, Ultimate, but then you could have, like, the all-access game pass, where tons of games get perks and benefits, because this is all-access. Not only do you get games day and date, not only do you get a steady flow of games, but you're getting perks, benefits, currencies, and all these other games that are out there, especially the more popular games like Call of Duty and Fortnite. Imagine if Disney Plus let you upgrade to a higher tier and you could see the big box office movies like I don't know a couple weeks early right now like when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 came out I couldn't get to the theater it's really hard with kiddos and stuff and date night it's tough to go to the movies it's easier just to do dinner so we typically wait for the movies to come to the subservice I gotta be honest if I could upgrade my Disney Plus and see movies like that quite a bit earlier I would probably consider doing that especially if Disney was cranking out a good cadence of those movies currently we're using disney plus for ahsoka but you get the point when you see all those perks and benefits and all those extra things you're more likely to upgrade and spend more money these submodels have to start thinking in the realm of perks and benefits not just access to games or movies or shows if you don't have perks and benefits it's so it's so unidimensional it's just well here's everything uh, here's tons of games you know here's tons of movies here's tons of tv shows you got to start thinking in the realm of perks and benefits, and they're not doing that. It's not just about access. It's about a whole suite of things that would feel very, very tough to let go of. What do gamers value? What do gamers value? Well, give them those things. That would grow Game Pass and make it really hard to leave. I also like these ideas because they're not a threat to game value, right? If you start stressing, if you start stressing perks and benefits as opposed to big games at a crazy cadence, well, then you could maybe back off on that. Let games cook. Let game quality go up. Lean more on the perks and benefits. Don't keep devaluing the product because it needs to be shoved out really, really fast, as we're seeing with games coming to Game Pass or coming to Xbox before they're ready. Now, I want to turn to what Phil said, okay? We've got to consider how much he has said that did not turn out the way that he said it would. Now, I'm not interested in calling the man a liar. I get I get very tired of the hyperbole about these these CEOs, right? And I know people are like, "Why aren't you covering Jim Ryan retiring?" I wrote this monologue and had this show picked out before he did that. He did that moments before I went upstairs to go to dinner with my family. So, I have a I have a normal <laughs> like a normal life rhythm outside of this. So, if if I think I can come up with a good show about Jim Ryan retiring, I'll do it. 
I don't know how interesting it is. The man just seems tired and ready to be done. But in this scenario, I, I get tired of the hyperbole, the exaggeration. Like, Phil Spencer is a liar and Jim Ryan is crying. I, I don't I don't want to call him a liar, but I will say this. I think there is a pattern of saying what needs to be said in the moment. So, it could be true that Game Pass exclusives are not something they're going to do. For now, right? So... Phil typically says one thing, and then something else kind of happens. There's a bit of a pattern emerging, all right? First, we need to look at what Phil said in the interview, okay? He was asked about the possibility of Game Pass getting exclusives, like games just coming to it. So according to xputer.com, Phil was asked a question in an interview with the Japanese gaming news website GameWatch during his ongoing tour of Japan. So they're over there for, for some conferences. He's meeting with companies. There's all these things going on. So he sits down to do this interview. And somebody, some people actually thought this, this, this was from a leak. No, this was just an interview. And I'm honestly not surprised. In the wake of the leaks, many are asking the question, how is Xbox going to grow Game Pass? How, how They have high aspirations, right? They've got these goals for the subservice, and subservices are stalling out across the board. So I had this idea already. I was like, okay, I might do a video speculating that, hey, Game Pass may get to the point where they just do exclusive games to the subservice. That's how they're going to grow it. Phil's answer is certainly one that many gamers should be glad to hear. He said, quote, no, that's not it. What we want to offer is choice. Xbox isn't just about Xbox Game Pass. The real success of Xbox is that more people play Xbox, whether it's on Xbox consoles, on PC, in the cloud, or on other consoles. We want to grow the community that plays Xbox. I have no intention of doing anything that would hinder that. Now, I like his answer, but I have a lot of questions. How are people playing Xbox on PC and cloud? Those are the two places we know that they really want to grow the Xbox footprint. That came out from one of the leaks. How are you doing that if you're not using Game Pass as the funnel? What would they be playing exactly? Are are you just considering first-party titles, them being on Xbox, playing on Xbox, even if they manage to launch like a big first-party game once a quarter at quality? How are those consumers, quote, playing on Xbox if you're not getting them into Game Pass? Playing the game through Steam, like let's just take Starfield, for example. Does he consider all the people playing that game through Steam, not on Game Pass, does he consider them, quote, playing on Xbox. He even includes the statement on other consoles. Like, does he consider any player playing their games on Xbox? Like, is that in his mind what matters? Which really makes me wonder why they needed to make all the Bethesda future titles exclusive to Xbox if, according to Phil, the quote, real success of Xbox is more people playing your games anywhere instead of Game Pass. So, exclusives seem sort of antithetical to what he's saying. They don't seem to add up. They don't make any sense. It's like, well, wait, you're saying that the, the real success of Xbox is just anybody playing an Xbox game. So I, I would think in that strategy, you just put the games everywhere. I'm not bringing this up to argue about Bethesda games going exclusive. That doesn't matter to me. I own Starfield in two locations, okay? I think they just serve as a direct contradiction to what he is saying. My understanding of making Starfield exclusive, or really any large first-party title, like we know Elder Scrolls 6 is planned to not be on PlayStation, my understanding of that was you're trying to drive people to Game Pass. Now, Phil is saying the opposite of that. And this is why I think he's not being dishonest. 
but I think he's saying what needs to be said in the moment. His answer sounded great, didn't it? Until you pause and think about what he's saying. It's like, wait a minute, this kind of contradicts certain things that you guys are doing and certain plans that you're putting in place. This doesn't make any sense. What do you mean that the real success of Xbox is just anybody playing an Xbox title anywhere? Like, for example, some other things he said that I just don't think are accurate. I think they just sounded good in the moment. He said that the Series S, there's no hardware problem in the interview with IGN about parody. Well, we know according to Larian Studios that there is a hardware problem. We know according to other developers that there is a hardware problem. That simply is not an accurate statement to make. He also said in that same interview they would not be walking back on feature parody, and then 24 hours later, they did with Baldur's Gate 3. I still believe that Larian did not appreciate the interview and the candor and the tone with which he spoke. He made it sound like it was their fault. They told regulators also, here's another thing, they told regulators it would be case by case with respect to foreclosure strategy of ZeniMax property. Then Phil walks in the room and tells Bethesda all future titles are exclusive. This was so surprising, this was such a shift in strategy, the CFO of Xbox said, wow, he was surprised. He didn't expect this. I don't think anybody expected this. This is another instance of Phil said what needed to be said in the moment, and then it turned out to be different later. The Project Scarlet Marketing promised all these things. There was a recent clip of Phil saying that Forza Motorsport was going to have 4K 60fps and ray tracing. That, That didn't happen. Promises about VR coming to Xbox, which I suppose VR could still come eventually, but you get the point. The point is, these types of statements seem to be made simply for the soundbite, not for the accuracy. So, like a lot of the things I just listed, Phil's answer to the question sounds great, but that doesn't mean it's going to stick. If market research or growth indicates that a Game Pass exclusive game will help them achieve their goals, they will do it. Now, thankfully, I don't see that happening. I'm not fear-mongering. I'm saying I I think they would if they think it would work, but I don't think they're going to because I don't think the market would allow it. This is one of the main challenges I see with Xbox's plan for growth. PC gamers especially will not be won over by a subservice where they don't own the game. I think cloud and mobile are Xbox's biggest avenues for growth, especially once they have King Mobile. And with the latest iPhone proving that mobile gaming power is advancing, the idea of Game Pass on a phone doesn't seem so strange. Playing a game like Starfield or Forza on your phone natively, that's going to happen in a few years. I'm not even talking about playing on the cloud. I'm talking about playing natively because I do think cloud gaming will grow. But if phones become strong enough to be considered legitimate gaming devices on their own, that could be a huge avenue for the Xbox ecosystem strategy. This obviously means that console focus may continue to be less less prioritized. Xbox leaks made that clear, right? They said in this one slide, they said, it's not a console generation. This is an ecosystem generation. So... Will Xbox ever put a game exclusively on Game Pass? Well, according to Phil Spencer, no, because it removes player choice. And I hope, for the sake of the consumer, that he's telling the truth. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions here. The more I look at Game Pass, the more curious I become about their plans to grow it. If you're not going to do it with exclusives to Game Pass... What's the draw? They recently discussed this on Sacred Symbols. Like, what, what they, and how I, I was feeling very similar. They were saying things I've been saying for a long time, right? It just feels unsustainable. Game Pass just feels unsustainable without a shift, without different things as offered, without big things to pull people in. Without a big injection of growth in your subscriber base, I expect them to either change it or pivot to other focuses. The second thing I want to say is this. 
There are times where it seems like Game Pass is central to the success of Xbox, and then other times where it is not. They have charts for growth showing 100 million subscribers by 2030, and then Phil answers a question making it seem like Game Pass is not the true measure of success for Xbox. Well, their slide... It's it's no longer a console generation. There was that slide that said that. It's an ecosystem generation, right? Well, what does the ecosystem ground itself in? What's it orbiting around if it's not Game Pass? If that's not the centrifuge, if that's not the centrality of their ecosystem, then what is it? Is it mobile? Is it cloud? According to the pictures, cloud and mobile are just part of the larger ecosystem. The identity of of the brand I just continues to evolve and I don't even know how I would describe it at this point. It's an ecosystem of what exactly? What what's the draw? What's going to pull people in? What is the identity? If it isn't Game Pass then what is it? My conclusion is this. With the amount of gaming property that Xbox will soon own by buying Activision, it will be interesting to see how they leverage it. Do they just want a hand in every digital space? We got some games in mobile, we have a presence in cloud, we've got some games on Steam, Xbox Game Pass subs are in the 20 to 30 million range somewhere in there, right? That feels not just ambitious, it feels too broad to sustain and manage. At the end of the day, we have to take Phil at his word, right? They're not going to be making Game Pass exclusive games. But given how many times that has not panned out, I wouldn't be surprised if one day we do see a Game Pass exclusive, which is why it's important to remember times like these. Consumers lose when they lose choice. We really need to emphasize that. The conversation around buying Nintendo blew my mind. Hopefully, Game Pass never becomes a threat to all those choices we currently have. And that's the show open. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm just going to do another quick disclaimer. I literally wrote that monologue about 80 or 90% of it. And then I went to shut down. And as I was getting ready to go to dinner, the news about Jim Ryan retiring hit. I didn't have a choice. There was no, oh, I'll write a whole new monologue. I'll come up with a whole new show. So I have a I have a regular life outside of this, right? I got a wife and two kids, so when I'm done for the day and I go upstairs for dinner, I can't come back down and do that kind of a pivot. I still think this is a good show. I still think this is a relevant conversation, given Phil Spencer, you know, just did this interview a week ago, and this pertains to the future of Game Pass. Like, is that a potential option that they will ever leverage? So, let's get things started, though. Oscar with 21 months says, Big O here, 21 months and counting. And then, Han shot first, and so did you. The first gifted member of the day comes in from DK Baker. If you guys go big today, you might hit the 3,000 member goal. If you hit it before Friday... I gotta play more Lies of P on a Friday night, which I don't want to do. You guys need like 700 members. You would have to have an absolute banner day to pull that off uh, between today and tomorrow, I should say. Ice Queen Gaming hits five months and says, It's my birthday today. Happy birthday, Ice Queen Gaming. Other good news is that the Light Roast is back. This was, for a time, our most popular uh, flavor. It's the great intro coffee to try, right? Balanced acidity, light blend, like a breakfast blend, very smooth, very drinkable. If you're not a fan of darker roasts or medium roasts, try out a bag of the light roast. We got we got the information right here next to me about it, reforgeroast.com. 
we just printed a bunch of orders last night because a bunch of people ordered yesterday. Aesthetic perfume with a 10 spot says, hang on, let me get the coffee out of here. Phil just acts like he has a say in which direction Xbox is going. Digital and service first being hardware agnostic isn't something he wanted. It's being something Satya dictated going forward. Salute Reforge. Thank you. Yeah, I think in the grand, I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, they will make pivots if they feel they need to. Like even some of the leaks talked about how they want a central uh, access point, like a controller. Like they want that to be the thing, because I think that's my big question: is if Game Pass, if Game Pass isn't the thing, right? then what's the central identity of the brand then what what is pulling me into the ecosystem is it is it is it first party games right lies is great why don't you want to play it i just it, i'm not vibing with it i got so far in the game and i'm just i'm just i was just getting a little i was loving perfect block but i wasn't vibing with like the status effects i got the archbishop and just got a little annoyed i'm also having a lot of fun with cyberpunk so that always happens right when you feel like you're having a good time with one game and the other game you're just not vibing with kind of like starfield right like i was enjoying starfield but i wasn't vibing with it so then jedi survivor got fixed so i played the heck out of jedi survivor and and beat it uh b rex media says what's wrong with old games game pass is full of them uh this guy says how is that no consumer friendly ps5 doing enjoy buying and streaming old games and no future bethesda games or maybe even other titles i that has nothing to do with the discussion um lono hit a boss he couldn't beat no, I didn't hit a boss I couldn't beat. I only tried him a couple of times. It was basically like the end of my play session, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not digging this. I was actually annoyed before I got to the boss. Like, I was annoyed with that entire area, all the status effects. I was like, I just, I can't stand status effects. I've just never been big on them. My favorite game is Sekiro for that reason, right? Sekiro is more about your blade, right? Um... Eugene says, I don't see a problem with Game Pass only games. It's a natural evolution of a subservice. If you're okay with a subservice, I would find it odd that they're against this. You know, the funny thing is, is that the people who have Game Pass wouldn't care. It would be the people that don't have Game Pass. Right? Like, that would be, I think, why they wouldn't do it, Eugene. I don't think Xbox would do it. I don't, I don't think that they would because I think that the people that are currently not on Game Pass would look at it and get annoyed. They'd be like, I don't want to do that. I don't think your game's worth that. Does that make sense? Like, the people with Game Pass would be like, this is dope. I already have Game Pass, so I get that game. Let's just say for the sake of the discussion, they put Elder Scrolls Six as a Game Pass exclusive. I don't think they're going to do that because the only people that would be happy about that are the people that are already on Game Pass. Everybody else would be annoyed. They'd be like, what? I can't own the game? I. What do you mean I have to have Game Pass to play? Does that make sense? I think it makes more sense for Game Pass to feel additive to your experience in a game. Game Pass users get this and this and this in this game. So then it's more of like, I think perks and benefits are the way to make Game Pass more appealing to people who currently don't have it. Eugene says, do the people that don't have Netflix care that Stranger Things is only on Netflix? Well, no, the problem with your analogy and and your comparison, Eugene, is that 
there's no expectation about Stranger Things being purchasable. There's an expectation about Elder Scrolls 6 being purchasable. A 10 bomb from Rissick! Rissick comes in and takes us to 11. We haven't had a lot of the big boys stepping in the ring, and we've got one today. Thank you, Rissick. That's amazing. There are expectations in the marketplace that I'll be able to buy the Elder Scrolls 6. Nobody is coming to Stranger Things expecting to buy the next season. That's not an expectation in the market. The consumer doesn't think of Stranger Things in that way. They don't. So if you... What about a new IP? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There is not an established market expectation. There isn't. There's no expectation that if Netflix invests in a new show called Spaceman Spiff, okay? And they're like, yep, we're making a brand new show called Spaceman Spiff, and we're going to put it on uh, Netflix. No one would be upset about that because there's no market expectation about that. We got a little bit of a member train coming in today. A single from Joker Quinn. A single from Charles Freeman. Thank you guys so much for contributing to the total, taking us to 13 members on the day. Like, nobody looks at television. You're acting like the, the marketplace looks at television shows the way they look at video games. I understand what you're saying. You're saying it's the logical conclusion. It's the logical trajectory of a subservice to start saying, you want our stuff, get on our subservice. But the difference is, is Phil is acting like Game Pass is not Xbox. Netflix is Netflix. Does that make sense? There is no Netflix if there is no sub. Xbox is not just Game Pass. That was Phil's pushback. True SSJ Havoc with a whole year of membership and a VIP. Apparently, I've been here for a year. Thanks for the consistent entertainment and conversation. This community is one of the best I've seen. I'm glad to be part of it. Lono, keep it going strong. Thank you so much. Charles Freeman with a single gifted member comes in and bumps it up to 14. Thank you so much, sir. There wasn't an expectation with Netflix until they did it. Again, I don't think the comparison works, Eugene. Netflix is Netflix. Netflix was building off of the idea of not owning anything. Charles Freeman with another one, and that's a layup. That's a 10-bomb layup. He takes it to 15. Thank you so much for doing that. Like, do do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Netflix was the evolution of the video rental. The video rental was the idea that you don't own it, you rent it. Charles Freeman sets up his own 10-bomb dunk, and he slams it home to 25 out of 25. Now it's a race to see who the agent of chaos is. Thank you so much, Charles Freeman. Do you see what I'm saying? Like The evolution of Netflix was you rent this movie, and you don't own it. And then they're like, well, we're going to do it digitally now. And then Netflix is like, okay, since we're doing it digitally, let's also do our own TV shows. So that was the growth and the context of Netflix as a service giving you stuff to quote-unquote borrow. Nobody's going to look at video games and think the same way. Now, you're saying it could get there. I think that's what you're saying is, well, Netflix did it first. Well, if Game Pass does it first, that's where we'll end up going. Does that make sense? 
There it is. The Agents of Chaos goes to Cristiano Souza. Rissick's a little too slow on the draw. Cristiano beats you, setting the next goal at 50. True SSJ Havoc also a little too slow to get the Agents of Chaos award, taking us to 28 out of 50. Two more sets up a 20-bomb layup. We're having a nice start to the day. Let's see if we can do that. Let's see if you guys can make me play Liza P tomorrow night. Go crazy. What prompted that subservice? Right. I, here's the thing. I, the re, I don't think the market will support it. I'm not saying that what you're saying isn't logical, Eugene. It's logical to say... You have a subservice. You want people on the subservice? Take your property and, requ- and and put it behind the subservice. That's logical. As a business, that's logical to be like, hey, we have all this property. We're trying to get people on the subservice. So let's let's do this. Let's let's put our next game, let's put our next thing behind the subservice. What I'm telling you is the market wouldn't support it. And here's why. Currently. Xbox has two types of consumers. Xbox has two types of consumers. They have Game Pass consumers. Single gifted member coming in from Force of Will. Thank you very much. They have they have Game Pass subscribers and then they have non-Game Pass subscribers. Okay? So what you're trying to do is not just on, on Xbox. I'm sorry. You also have people on PC. And you're trying to convince these people to come onto this subservice. If you do that by saying... You must subscribe to play this game. They're going to say, what? Like, I don't want to do that. That's not... Disney's the best analogy? I, how? How is Disney a better analogy? Disney just took all their property and said, come here if you want it. Again, there was no existing marketplace of... Uh, and you can still buy their movies on DVD anyway. So what you're saying only really applies to like Mandalorian and Obi-Wan. And again, prior to that, there were no like Disney TV shows that you were going to the store to buy. There wasn't some pre-existing Welcome back Ice Queen Gaming. Thanks for renewing your membership. There was no pre-existing market expectation that well, I'm going to walk into Target and buy DVDs or Blu-rays of a Disney television show. You can still go to the store right now and buy Guardians of the Galaxy. You can't buy Ahsoka. Listen to what I'm saying, Eugene. There was no expectation before that. There was no instance of like, hey, for all these years, I've been going to Target and buying Disney TV shows. That wasn't a thing. Original television shows were a new idea from Disney. Not a new idea, but a new idea from Disney. Like, Disney's never done this before. I mean, they did it with, like, kid shows and stuff, but not, like, Andor, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Mandalorian, and then the Marvel TV shows like Hawkeye and stuff, right? And and Loki. There was no market expectation that Disney makes really awesome TV shows, and I go to the store and buy them. It was, this is a new concept, come to Disney Plus for these shows. Gaming has 30 years of consumer expectation that I can go to the store or a digital marketplace and buy a game. And if you push against that, they're going to consumers are going to reject it and say, I'm not doing that. 
Disney ended physical support for Asia and Australia last month. Okay, but again, I'm saying Disney had a unique market advantage because there was no prior expectation. Engage with that part of my argument. You're just gliding around it. You keep ignoring that fact. There is 30 years of market expectation. I can go to the store. I can go to the digital store. I can go to Amazon. I can buy a video game when it comes out. And if if Game Pass all of a sudden said, no, you can't buy that game. It's only on Game Pass. I believe that the market would reject that. It would be, it would be disastrous. Elder Scrolls is a great example, right? Big first-party title, Elder Scrolls 6. If Microsoft did that, people would reject it. Look at how many people bought Starfield on Steam as an example. Starfield sold very well on Steam, great player base numbers on Steam. You lose all those sales. Do you honestly think all those people would come over to the subscription service? You think all those people? I, I don't even know how many. I mean, they were in a quarter of a million on concurrent players. That means you've got millions of sales. You got millions of consumers. It's very likely if you're getting quarter of a million concurrent, then that means after a given week, you've got over a million easily, easily over a million unique logins. So you're talking about a million minimum consumers being like, I'm, I'm, I have to go to a sub service to, to play Elder Scrolls. People expected no microtransactions, but spent upwards of a hundred million yesterday on CS:GO. Who, who expected no microtransactions? Who's ever argued that the market's not supporting microtransactions? Anybody arguing that the market's not supporting microtransactions is wearing a blindfold. The market supports microtransactions everywhere. Sports games, Fortnite, Call of Duty, everywhere. Anybody who's trying to act like microtransactions don't have market support, they're foolish. They're not paying attention. People love to say they won't do it, but when it comes down to it, they will every time. I think microtransactions are different. Microtransactions are different because the psychology of a micro spend has been proven to work time and time again. Taking something away from a giant consumer base like the PC user base, taking that away from them, taking that choice away from them, that would not work. It wouldn't work. The other thing you're not considering, Eugene, is it wouldn't be economically viable. It wouldn't be economically viable. I don't think there's a chart. I don't think there's a projection. I don't think there's any research, any market research that would lead Xbox to say, well, we have millions of consumers that will buy Elder Scrolls on PC for full price. (laughs) Let's coerce them all to not do that and get on Game Pass instead. Therefore, making less money. And not just making less money, but potentially losing tons of customers because you'd have tons of people that would be like, number one, I'm not doing that. You'd have a huge swath of people that would say no. Levo says, so you expect microtransactions in the 80s and 90s as a gamer? No. No, microtransactions got introduced in a way that worked. It was like a slow-boiled frog. Listen to me. I said in the show open that if Microsoft can find an economic reason to do this, they will do this. If the market will bear it, they'll do it. I'm telling you right now, I don't think the market bears it. In 20 years, I mean, who's to say? You're making something, you're making an unfair jump. Like, people were supposed to know that microtransactions were going to show up in the 80s and 90s. 
Well, they did if you went to a local arcade. That was literally what microtransactions were. You died, put in another quarter to play, right? So, the birth of microtransactions actually predates arcades. It, it, it predates pinball machines. It's pachinko machines. Like, if you really want to think about the birth of microtransactions, you got to go all the way back to pachinko machines and pinball machines. Pinball machines had to be proven in a court if they weren't gambling machines because they were designed to, like, drain you or designed to make you spend more money and make you lose. And then arcades were another natural evolution of that. Like, oh, you died, put more money in. So, what I'm saying to you is, there's no way for us to know in 20 years if the market will bear a game only being available on a subscription service. Currently, right now, I don't think the market will bear it. If Microsoft's endgame is to say, let's fast forward 20 years, and they own Call of Duty, they have the next Diablo, they have Elder Scrolls, they have all these very big monolithic franchises. They're super recognizable through the annals of history of gaming. It's like, we know these games. And they say, hey, these games are only available on Game Pass. Here's how I think they'll start it, Eugene. You, 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 you're, you've not convinced me that the market will bear it right now, but here's how I think they'll start it. They'll start with old games. Right? They'll start with old games. They'll say, hey, we just added a whole swath of, uh, of backwards compatible games. We got a bunch of games coming out of the vault maybe they'll call it the vault and they'll say these games are only playable on game pass and they'll just see how it goes right like that's how they'll start it they won't start with something like elder scrolls 6 because that's slapping everybody in the face everyone's like wow i i can't i can't buy elder scrolls but if you do a bunch of the old games, PlayStation already did it with old games. Yeah, PlayStation's already done that. That's right. So they're already testing it to see what people think. Now, I don't think PlayStation would want to do it with their big first party titles or new titles because that's not in line with their economic structure. Like that, that's that's they make tons of money on the sales. Like they would never want to do that. But yeah, it's already being tested to a certain degree. Nintendo's already doing that, right? Great point, Edgar. Nintendo's like, do you want to play these old classic Nintendo games? Cool, you can't buy them. I mean, that's Nintendo flexing their Nintendo. <laughs> like, they're kind of flexing the fact that, like, yeah, where else are you going to go? What if Microsoft, says Russell Stewart, what if Microsoft did early access exclusive on Game Pass? It seemed to work well with Grounded, do the same with Elder Scrolls, and hopefully with Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, if you guys missed my video yesterday about the Elder Scrolls 6... And the potential of that thing showing up as early as 2026, I think they should launch Elder Scrolls 6 in early access. Personally. I think they should follow the Baldur's Gate 3 model. And I think... I think if you have a big, recognizable brand and you want to build a very, very big and long tail RPG, I think Baldur's Gate 3 has shown us the way. Like, no, no, no joking, no being silly. Like, this is the way. If you have a big recognizable brand and you're trying to build a very, very big long tail RPG, I believe Baldur's Gate 3 and Larian have shown us how to do it. The games are too big. There's too many potential, you know, systemic baked in mistakes that you've got to iron out in the early stages. It's like if you build 
the foundation wrong, everything topples after that. It just doesn't work. Imagine playing Jenga and like you let your kids set it up and the bottom of Jenga is a mess. That's not going to stand. It's not going to last. If the base of the game from the earliest stages is not sound, your game's going to be a disaster especially when you want it to be as big and as grand as like a like what we're imagining what I'm imagining an Elder Scrolls 6 would be so yes I actually think Elder Scrolls 6 should launch in early access I think Diablo 4 should have launched in early access two years ago it would have saved the game I think Baldur's Gate 3 has shown us the way you can't do early access with every game notice how I qualify it notice how I qualify it big recognizable brand and you're trying to build like a long tail RPG, Baldur's Gate 3 has shown us the way. That's the way to do it. You will never ever pull that off with waterfall development. Well, let's spend six years building this amazing RPG. And then you launch it. And the the hive mind of the player has changed. Expectations have shifted. Six years ago, all the things you thought were cool or all the things you thought players wanted, they don't really want anymore. And you're like, what the frick? What? How do we get all this out of the game? No, early access protects you from that. You mold the game. It's called agile development. You mold the game, little iterations. You give people act one, area one. And you let them play and play and play and you tweak and you adjust and you and you improve. Baldur's Gate 3 pulled off what I think is the appropriate strategy for games of that size. Subscription gaming is good for one year, genuinely, but that's it. I think subscription gaming is great for latecomers. They all they're great it's great for latecomers. Right now, if you get on PlayStation Plus or Game Pass and you're like you're like, well, let's not, let's not, uh, let's not buy any games right now. Let's let's get on this. Let's get on this subservice, okay? Let's get on this subservice. There's this litany of backlog of games where you can you can just play and play and play. I mean, if you're a latecomer to gaming, the subscription services are amazing. They have a mountain of value. You you don't gotta buy a game for for five years. If you're if you're like a latecomer to gaming, it's a, it's a great it's a great value. If you've got kids, if you tend to try lots of games, if you tend to sample lots of games, it's great. The, the, the discussion today, if you guys are enjoying the discussion, do me a favor, smash the like button. Let's set our sights on 300 likes. Let's set our sights on the next milestone of the member goal. And our light roast is back in stock. You can go to reforgeroast.com and order some. Those are great ways to support the channel. You can become a member on your own as well. Don't You don't got to sit around and wait for gifteds. And somebody ordered some coffee already this morning. Thank you so much, UK Brute. I appreciate that so, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, okay, hang on. I, my, my, this is like blinding me because I, I don't have my dark filter on. So the discussion on the table is... Would Microsoft ever create a Game Pass exclusive? Now, Phil Spencer says no. He says, we want to give players choice. And the discussion has been, Eugene has been saying, it's the natural way. That's the natural result of things. That's the destination. Game Pass in 
X number of years, let's just say 10 years, there will be games that you can only play with a subservice. Now, I went a different route. I said, I don't think the market ever bears it. I think Microsoft's best strategy, I think Xbox's best strategy with with Game Pass is to go down the road of perks and benefits. I think people need to start thinking about Game Pass differently. It needs to be a package that you have. You've got all these perks, all these benefits. Every time you play Call of Duty or Fortnite or anything else, you're getting like a currency every month. You're getting you're getting, you know, extra things every month. Why? Perks and benefits. It's a package that you chose. It's not just yeah, subscribe to Game Pass. There's a mountain of games for you to go play. I, I don't think that's a compelling offer because there's not a lot of specificity to it. There's not a lot of specificity. Eventually, you're just going to be like, okay, what's Game Pass? Well, it's a bunch of games. Well, what do you have? I mean, well, we have uh, you know, Call of Duty. We have Starfield. Okay, that'll be compelling to some people. But will they stay? I think if you want to compel people to join and stay, you got to start thinking in the realm of perks and benefits. It's got to feel like... It's like when you would sign up for TV back in the day and they would give you HBO and Showtime for free. Knowing that losing it, it will be painful. You're going to miss the shows. You're going to miss the movies or whatever. You're going to miss those perks. You're going to miss those benefits. You're going to, you're way more likely to stay on the subservice. Game Pass needs to be the same way. They have to consider how do you get people in and then they never leave. If you want that 25 million line to go up, you got to keep people first because if not, you're just constantly churning. People sign up for Game Pass, try out Starfield, and then cancel. A lot of people do that. How do you get them to stop doing that? You give them a bunch of perks and benefits that they will not want to lose. You don't You don't want to lose those perks and benefits. It's like t- you start thinking of it as a, this is how I game. There it is. The layup. Such an easy score. Irons it out to 30. Setting up the 20-bomb dunk. Thank you so much, DK Baker. Matt Paretta says, why not both? What do, what do you mean, why not both? Both what? Game Pass has something for everybody. Shooters, uh, RPGs, sports games, adventure games, kids games. Well, yes. And I think those are valuable to a certain subset of the market. But there's another subset of the market that just doesn't care. Think about it like this. Free-to-play live service games are enormous. They're huge. Fortnite, Warzone, just those two alone are massive. What if you offered, especially since Microsoft is very soon going to own Call of Duty, and we've heard that Call of Duty could be on Game Pass as early as 2025. Imagine opening up Game Pass and not just seeing that Call of Duty is there, but... Hey, you play Warzone? Yeah, man, you gotta get on that Game Pass. They're giving us stuff every month in the game. They're giving us stuff every month. We're getting we're getting currency to spend in the micro store. We get extra stuff on our battle pass. Well, now you've got them. Because that's all they play. Do you see? Game Pass can now be appealing to somebody who plays one game. Right now, does Game Pass appeal to somebody who plays one game, especially if it's a free-to-play game like Warzone or Fortnite? Does Game Pass appeal to them at all? 
No, they play one game. They don't need some massive library of games. They have a single game that they enjoy playing. You have to start to think about what does what does the the, the average gamer value? Oh, they value a couple of games a year and that's all they play. Can you give them perks and benefits in those games through Game Pass? Yeah, Phil Spencer Call of Duty skin. That's that would work. Matt Peretta says, "Oh, when you said both, you meant perks and exclusives." It sounds awful. Why? Why does it sound awful to give people perks and benefits for a subscription? Why? What? What's the point? Like, like, what's the problem there? I would much rather them go that route and give you perks and benefits that just give you stuff in the games that you're already playing. I'd rather that than them say, we're going to start putting games as, you know, exclusive to Game Pass. You can't play these games unless you get Game Pass. That would be way worse because you're taking away player choice. You're taking away consumer choice, walling off content. Currency in a live service game isn't content. Neither are skins. Those are vanity items. Those are optional items. That's not content. I'm not talking about saying, uh... We're adding, we're adding new content missions and quests to Starfield for Game Pass users. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about perks and benefits, not content. Perks and benefits are the opposite of that. They're, they're, it's like a spiff. It's like a cool, ooh, I get this extra thing. It's not like a mission or a map or a, or a quest or a, a DLC. If I join a country club, there's perks and benefits. This is how I would phrase it. This is how I would phrase it. Um, are we that heavy on the hate watch today? There's over 700 people here. Y'all need to be y'all need to be pressing that like button, man. Come on now, lurkers. Take a second, lurkers. Help me out. We didn't even move the line. <laughs> we didn't even move the line. Um, this is this is another way to phrase it. Imagine canceling Game Pass right now, and how easy it is. Why? Because you know exactly what you're losing. You're like, yeah, I'm losing all these games. I'm not playing any of them. So you cancel it. Now, imagine canceling Game Pass and losing monthly currency in Fortnite. And you play Fortnite. Imagine canceling Game Pass and losing monthly currency in Warzone. And you play Warzone. You see you're not just losing access to games, you're losing something that benefits you every month. And who cares? It's currency. It's immaterial. What, 500 V-Bucks a month? That would be enough. That would be enough. It would. Because a lot of people would be like, well, that's enough. That's half the cost of Game Pass right there. That's 5 bucks of V-Bucks every month. And I'm getting that in Fortnite. And Fortnite would be okay with that because if you give somebody five bucks every month, guess what they do? They're going to run to your store. It's not worth my $20 sub. Yeah, because you're a thinking, frugal adult. You're not a kid playing Fortnite. You're not somebody that's addicted to Fortnite skins. Two spot from Locke. Play COD Early Access on Game Pass. Okay, that's another perk and benefit that I've outlined many, many times. I've said that giving Game Pass users early access would be a great way to not just motivate purchase because you would say, hey, if you buy the game, you get in early. You're not just motivating purchase. 
you're also making Game Pass appealing to people who buy games as opposed to, you know, quote-unquote renting them. There are a lot of gamers like that, right? There are a lot of gamers that are like, I don't, I don't, I don't do subservice. I buy my games. You know these people. Some of them hang out here. They're like, dude, I don't do subservice. I buy two or three big games a year, and that's it. I'm a confused. My apologies if I've been out, but they did not already do this already. Game Pass gives you things like Discord Premium or Currency and Fantasy Star Online. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. They need to do way more of that. You need to start doing it with the mainline titles. Like, dude, do you think I care about that? Fantasy Star Online? I'm talking about the grand player bases that are out there. Now, Fantasy Star Online is a pretty big game, but Discord Premium... I'm talking about targeting games like Fortnite, targeting games like Call of Duty. Beyond that, Early Access. Early Access to games, that's that's not, they don't, they do that right now. Individual games do that, right? You pre-order like the Deluxe Edition and you get in like 72 hours early. That, that, they're not doing that through Game Pass. That's the company doing that. Is there going to be a PSVR 2? Oh, a blog that's going to have news and updates on the upcoming PSVR 2 games? Nice. I already have a backlog of PSVR 2 games. It's so hard to find time to play that. I've got to, like, make space either in here in the studio or out in my living room. Occasionally, you do get a good perk, but most of the time, they're kind of meh. Well, there's something to consider. Maybe they're testing things. They're like, okay, what kind of a response did we get to Fantasy Star Online or Discord Premium? Right? I'm sure you heard about Jim Ryan. Yes. I want people to know, again, you guys have got to be fair to me. (laughs) I shut down yesterday after I was done with members because we do a live show, then we do an upload, then I do a members-only debrief, then I do the writer's room. I shut down writer's room around 430 And then I had an hour and a half to get everything ready for today. So I wrote this entire monologue. About 90% of it I wrote last night. As I'm getting ready to go upstairs for dinner, the news breaks that Jim Ryan's retiring next year. And I'm like, I can't cover that. I don't even have a POV on it yet. I'd have to research it. I'd have to read the press releases. I'd have to read commentary from other news outlets and formulate some kind of a POV. Then I got to write a monologue. I didn't. I don't have time for that. I went up and had dinner with my family. We went on a walk. I hung out with my wife on the couch and watched some episodes of Twilight Zone. And then I went to bed. Like, I I know people will claim I'm dodging. I know people will say I'm a pony. I I, I can't be concerned with with false framers and liars like that. Those that stuff. I I have a life that that does not bend to. Well, Jim Ryan's retiring, babe. Sorry, I can't come to dinner. Like my family matters more than than the public's opinion about me. So. A side note, apparently the new Quest 3 will have Xbox Cloud integration. Now, I saw a preview of what it looks like, Kage. I I ordered the Quest 3, by the way. I pre-ordered one. And the Xbox Cloud integration looks cool, but I'm not sure how... I don't know what I feel about it yet. It basically puts like a TV in front of you, and I can't tell. Is Is it AG? I'm sorry, is it AR? Is it like augmented reality? 
fifty percent off Hazy Jane is a perk I'd sign up for. I mean, I would, I would, I would sign up for that. I tend to agree with you, Blurred Roddick. I don't think him retiring is that big of a deal. I like, I went and read what he said, and I was like, I literally said that in the Discord before I read what he said. I said, at the level of money he's making, because they've had such record-breaking years and such record-breaking sales, the amount of money that guy has right now, he's probably like. I'm good with flying all over the world. And he literally said that. It's like, I'm living in a fog of jet lag. I work in one country and live in another. Like, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to give, he, he can provide generational wealth to his family and hang and have fun <laughs> with the rest of his life. Article says 63. I thought he was in his fifties. In any case, I, I, if I can come up with a good POV, I'll cover it. But I'm like, <laughs> 30 years and probably has more money than he ever needs okay I <laughs> I just don't think it's that big of a deal I really don't you know incoming pony suddenly claiming Ryan leaving is a good thing after rating him so highly right up until 40 hours ago 48 hours ago I don't know if we would say it's a good thing I'm just I, I would say it's a normal thing like I calling people ponies is a sign of immaturity. I mean, I don't know why you need to call people names. Like I Jim Ryan is 63. He's 63. Oh, then come on. This is this is so boring to even talk about. What a waste of time. Earth-shattering news. Incredibly wealthy 60-something-year-old man retires after 30 years of service at a company. Like it's not even quick either. It's like next year. It's like a planned retirement. He's going to hit 30 years and he's out. Like, <laughs> go on. 63 article is wrong. I thought he was in his 50s. I thought he was in his 50s. You are coping? Yes. Yes. Look at me cope. He had PlayStation at the. T- yeah, he's leaving on a high note. Like, it's not. There's so not. There's so not a story. It's not a story. If things were really bad, that's a story. Right? If all their numbers were down, if, you know, if PS5 was lagging behind PS4, that'd be a story. Like, time for new leadership. But it's like, every news report that comes out, it's like, PlayStation 5 crushing it once again, exceeding expectations, selling faster than the previous month, gonna surpass the PS4, record revenue, and people are like, this is a scandal that he's leaving. It's like, no, that 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 tracks. That's like the perfect time to retire. <laughs> That's like the perfect time to retire. <laughs> it's like we're, I'm shattering every record. Let's li- I'm done. I'll see y'all later. I'm tired of flying around. I'm going to go hang out with my family. That's what I would do. I'd get the frick out. Flying all over the world for what? A couple more million to add to your millions? Goodness gracious. Breaking news. Normal man retired at basically retirement age after saying he can't travel the world constantly anymore. I hate traveling like that. I'm in my 40s and I hate it. I can't imagine doing it in my 50s or 60s. It's so hard on you. It messes with your sleep schedule. It like you got to eat crappy food. I always feel I always feel like a like a 
gunk is in my body when I travel. I don't feel right. I can't imagine doing it for a living. Genuinely can't. People are saying 30 years isn't enough to retire. I Okay. I If that's their opinion, then let them work longer. You know? I, it's just like a non it's just like such a non story. I wouldn't even care. That was like when any major CEO steps down. PlayStation who takes over next? That's the story, not him retiring. I just don't care. <laughs> like I'm curious, but I just don't care. 53 He's worked with the company since he was 25. He's tired. Millionaires retire in their 40s and 50s. It's not surprising. Yeah, even Phil said he's getting ready. He, he said even Phil recently said in that one interview. He's like somebody someday somebody else will be in this chair, right? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Phil. It would not surprise me at all if we get to 2030 and Phil. It, it, either we make it to 2030 and Phil walks because he's like, I'm done. We put the plan in place. I did my best. I'm out. Or he could even leave before that. Cuz it ages you. Have you looked at the have you looked at the pictures of Phil Spencer from a couple of years ago? Like look at Phil Spencer, you know, 5 years ago, look at him now. It it absolutely ages you. It's hard on you. It's hard on your body, it's hard on your mental state. Like I wouldn't at all be surprised if Phil has his own exit strategy that's in the next 5 to 7 years. He currently spends two weeks in the U.S., one week in Europe, and one week in Tokyo. I yeah, that's that's I would not want to do that. Can you? I can't imagine doing that in my 30s, let alone in my 50s or 60s. That's unbelievable. Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite and Unreal, is laying off a whopping 16% of employees, around 900 people. Sources tell Bloomberg. Oh boy. Phil's 55, Jim's 56. Okay. Phil aged like a president? I remember covering Xbox showcases in like 2017, 2018, and there was just a vibrance to him. He was, I always, I thought the Xbox showcases were amazing back then. They were always my favorite. I always thought the Sony showcases were terrible. Um, That was when Sean Layden was in charge. I thought those showcases were awful. They did the one where they like played a guitar in a room and then had an intermission. I was like, what the frick are you doing? You have a live audience that you're not considering. You're worried about the, you know, 500 people in the room, the the thousand people in the stadium, and you're not worried about the hundreds of thousands of people watching at home. I always thought the Sony showcases were garbage. So when they stopped going to E3, I didn't care because I always thought the Xbox showcases were way better. And I always remember thinking like, man, Phil is such a good presenter. You know, he always had like this... He's had like this vibrancy to him, and now I feel like that man is tired. It wears you down. Jim lost ABK, so he's pushed out. Truly touched. Yeah, man. I just that's a smooth brain take if I've ever seen one. I you know, maybe that's the show I'll do. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Jim Ryan sacked over ABK. And I boot up and I'm like. No, not really. That's not how these things operate. But uh, (laughs) 
Anyway, let's talk about something else. Which really, right now, we got to get it back on course. I gave you guys, you know, seven minutes on that. I I don't have a giant POV or take on it other than a shrug shoulder of. It's not that alarming at all. It isn't. Um, especially considering you go out on a high note, you probably get like a lot of money for that, right? I don't know how all that works. I'm assuming. I'm assuming you get a ton of money when you break a lot of those records that he's been breaking. Sell as many consoles as they're selling. Uh, COD deals went to Nintendo 2. Yeah, my question about Call of Duty coming to Nintendo once the... Um, once the ABK deal is done... My question about Call of Duty coming to Nintendo would be twofold. Number one, I'm assuming it would be the new one, the new Nintendo Switch. Because of the DLSS that we're hearing it's going to be able to leverage, you'd be able to actually get a a, a respectable version of Call of Duty running on it. But my real question would be, is there demand? Right? Like within the Nintendo user base, is that going to be worth their efforts? I know they made the commitment, but they're not bound to that. They're not bound to that at all. They could be like, no, we looked at it and uh, there's no demand for the product and uh, it wouldn't sell well and the effort to d- deploy it and support it wouldn't wouldn't be worth it. You know what I'm saying? CODs are on PS4. Oh, okay, what's that have to do with what I'm saying? The newest, the newest Switch is going to have allegedly have the power of like a PS4 Pro, but it's going to spit out performance higher than that because of DLSS. There is huge demand. We saw internal documents that said the exact opposite of that, that there's not a big demand for Call of Duty on the Nintendo Switch. That's why they've never pushed for it. Are you kidding me? There's like 120 plus, what's the record? What's the current record now? 129? 129 million Nintendo Switches in circulation. If there was demand for Call of Duty on a platform that large, they would figure it out. They would figure it out. I don't think there's demand. It's not, I don't think the, I don't think the market of Call of Duty players is there, and I don't think you're going to suddenly have a bunch of Call of Duty players there. You're talking about the platform that has allowed a game called Splatoon to explode. I don't think that's a platform that would support Call of Duty in in large in large enough numbers. We've we've seen internal documents on this. There's not a strong demand for Call of Duty on the Nintendo. There just isn't. I that I think that that will ne- if it comes to fruition, I'll be kind of surprised. I will be. I know they made that commitment, but they made that commitment and the CFO of Xbox admitted they didn't even crunch the numbers on it. Call of Duty Wii was very popular. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that's true. Their commitment to bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch wasn't even crunched by the CFO of Xbox. Like they didn't even they didn't even look at it. It's it was pure posture. It was pure posture. They don't if they do it, I'll be I'll be surprised. I will be. Because the effort that'll go into it, it and and it won't it will not. I can't see it selling that well. I just can't. I would agree except COD Mobile exists and is huge. 
Yes, but again, mobile market has proven itself to be very different because you have PUBG Mobile, which does very well. PUBG Mobile, I think, earns more money for them than regular PUBG. And then you have Call of Duty Mobile. And then you have Fortnite. But that that, that does not mean the Nintendo audience. This is Nintendo. They buy Pokemon in record-breaking numbers. They buy Splatoon in record-breaking numbers. That's that's not a Call of Duty rich environment. It isn't. You have to think about the consumer base. I'm not talking about the medium of Nintendo. Like you're like, "Oh, but mobile, but mobile." Okay, you're talking medium. I'm talking consumer base. The consumer base of Nintendo, there is not high demand for Call of Duty. I'm telling you, trust me on this. If there was high demand for Call of Duty on Nintendo, with 129 million Nintendo Switches in circulation, they would have figured it out. Bobby Kotick says it was a mistake to underestimate that machine. It's look how look, it's everywhere, right? Now, if they would have been on Nintendo Switch from the beginning, you might have been able to grow a user base over there. It, but how long has it been? Hyde with six months of memberships and a VIP. Hyde says, COD on Switch is master move by Nintendo. Let Xbox spend a ton of resources porting it to Switch and see it not sell. A two-spot from True SSJ Havoc. Lono, DLSS is not magic. I'm not expecting much. You need to do better research into what DLSS can do. It is magic. They were able to get 80 frames on a 2060 card in Death Stranding. They were getting 80 frames at 4K. Did you hear what I just said? 4K, 80 frames on the bottom card, the 2060. DLSS is magic, my friend. It's the closest thing to magic we have without waving a wand and casting a spell. DLSS is absolute magic, bro. And we haven't even really seen the next iteration truly in in, in grand scale. We've seen... We've seen rumors. We're hearing about like what it can do. When I looked into what DLSS did with Death Stranding, I was like, well, okay. It's impressive. DLSS is not magic anymore. It's just a tool they use to not optimize anymore. I mean, that's about as reductionistic as it gets. DLSS is not magic, Lono. I'll get on Discord and explain later. We're, we're having such a weird discussion. So you're, it's not magic. Quantify what magic is. That's upscale 4K, not native. Who gives a frick? That's how 4K works. What do you? Who cares about native 4K? Who cares about that? What discussion are we even having? A 2060 card got 80 FPS 4K in Death Stranding and you're like, it's not, it's just so they don't have to optimize anymore. It's not magic. I mean, we're hearing that the Nintendo Switch 2 was shown at Gamescom with Breath of the Wild running at 60 and uh, the Matrix demo was on there but we're going to hand wave DLSS all of a sudden? Like, what's happening? We're like, yeah, DLSS isn't that impressive. It's not magic. It's just so they don't have to optimize their games. What are y'all scared Nintendo's gonna like do something? 
Victor Mayhem with 29 months on the VIP. Time flies when you're having fun. Keep it flying, my friend. Really helps the workday flow. Butters is correct. Devs are using it as an excuse now. Oh, it's okay. Their tech will fix it. We don't need to optimize properly. Give me examples. I don't think you can give me any. I need examples. If Butters is correct, that would mean you'd need to demonstrate a pattern in the market that developers are pushing out games that are horribly optimized and they're leaning on DLSS. Demonstrate it. Where's the pattern in the market? You'd need to demonstrate this with a handful of titles, not like one. Where, where is this in the market? I've not seen this talked about anywhere. I've not seen anybody in the PC realm saying, yeah, man, all devs are doing now is not optimizing their games and just leaning on DLSS. Remnant 2, Jedi Survivor, and Starfield. Oh my gosh. Starfield Starfield didn't even have native DLSS support at launch. Seemingly was primarily built for Xbox where you can't do DLSS. Jedi Survivor's not leaning on DLSS. Jedi Survivor wasn't ready. It launched too soon. Gamers always misdiagnose the problem. Th- those games did not launch saying, we'll, we'll just lean on DLSS. They weren't ready. A game not launching ready, that's a tale as old as time. Vex did a great video on this. DLSS is ruining games. Oh, for Pete. I know that. <laughs> it launched too soon. Wonder why. Oh my gosh. Creature, get this upload ready. The... Jedi Survivor launched too soon because Disney wanted a new Star Wars game every six months. They didn't launch it and say, we don't have to optimize, just use DLSS. You guys are you guys are drawing causality from correlation, and you can't do that. This argumentation is so bad. Remnant 2, again, you have to substantiate that the devs willingly didn't optimize the game so they could lean on DLSS which is insane to me because Remnant ran fine on console and you can't even get DLSS on console what are we even saying I feel like I'm getting ice picks in my temples right now DLSS is ruining games because of a a couple of games this year that launched too early and are not optimized well on PC I, I can't even do it. I can't even engage in the conversation. It's insane to me to think that, oh yeah, these games are poorly ported. Why? Oh, because they don't want to optimize. They're just leaning on DLSS. What? Christy Asics Quest with 14 months. Just made my coffee order. Remember to make yours today. Hey, thank you so... Oh, I clicked on a... I clicked on a folder <laughs> instead of... Whoops. Uh... Thank you so much. I see your order in here. Best of both worlds. A light roast and a dark roast. Thank you so much. So, people are looking at the poorly ported games to PC this year, and they're blaming DLSS. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know what to say. To that. I just don't know what to say to that. A handful of games come out this year. A handful of games come out this year. And Jedi Survivor is a terrible example because it was bad everywhere. And you can't use DLSS on console. So Remnant launches on console, runs fine. Right? It runs fine. DLSS allows hardware to punch above its weight. Truly touched. That's what I'm saying. The research I did in the DLSS and what they were able to do with Death Stranding was we can squeeze more out of weaker hardware. Y'all are saying that devs are porting games to PC poorly because they're like, well, we'll just lean on DLSS so we don't have to optimize our game. Starfield and Survivor didn't even launch with DLSS. That's what I'm saying. People are literally giving me examples of games that didn't even have DLSS at launch. So how can you claim that? Like, that's... that's I, that's insane to me that you're thinking that that's substantiating your point. Those games didn't even launch with it. Starfield launched with FSR only, and then they add, they're adding DLSS later, or did they already do it? I know that I know that it was coming. They announced that it was like coming or whatever. I'm not blaming DLSS. It's blaming that the devs won't use it properly. They just rely on it to do wonders rather than optimizing. Yo, good morning, feed. Good to see you in the chat. Like I said, the Remnant devs are on record saying they built for upscalers and not native. Oh, 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 Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What context did they say that, though? What context? Because upscalers are fantastic. Native is not the way to go. I've seen very convincing videos about upscaling technology is far superior to trying to run something native. We just read an interview about this, about how you get an insane amount of performance by going upscaling versus native, and it's like a 1% different visually. What interview was that? Oh my gosh, what were we reading? We were looking at something that was talking about this very subject. Like, everybody stresses out about native 4K. Native 4K is a completely fruitless endeavor. Upscaling to 4K gets you significant better power efficiency because you're not you're not straining everything to natively render it 4K. Upscaling is significantly more efficient. It's why everybody's doing it. Yes, it does depend on the internal resolution that you're upscaling from, for sure. You can't upscale from like 900 and it's going to look as good as if it's internally 1440. Native 4K is buzzwords. Anybody that says native 4K these days, I'm, I'm always raising an eyebrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would you even do native 4K? Who cares about that? I need native 4K on my 24-inch monitor. Either way, the intention is to utilize it to squeeze more out of the overall performance. This is a completely new narrative to me, right? Like, you guys are paradigm-busting, being like, nah, man, DLSS is ruining games because devs are not optimizing their game they're launching it and just expecting dlss to do all the magic for them the remnant devs develop the game with upscaling in mind yes because that's literally all they said 
Yeah, and that's not controversial at all. That's actually rather intelligent to say upscaling technologies got really impressive. So we built the game with upscaling in mind because if you think about it, if you go with an upscaling model, it allows you to do more stuff because you're not straining the engine and the rendering to do 4K, native 4K. If you're doing internal resolution upscaled, you can do more stuff. You're freeing up power. You're freeing up resources. You're so sure of your position, and I'm so sure you are wrong. One of us doesn't understand how these things work. No, you're reading into my statements that it's magic. You're reading into my statements, Zubair. When I say it's magic, what did I cite as proof of my position? I said, they were able to take a 2060 card and squeeze out 80 FPS at 4K in uh, Death Stranding. I said, that's magic. Now, why was I saying that in context, Zubair? I was substantiating the idea that the Nintendo Switch 2 would be able to run a respectable version of Call of Duty. So, connecting all the dots here, I'm saying DLSS will enable the Nintendo Switch to take weaker hardware and squeeze out impressive performance. It's roughly going to have the internal power of a PS4, PS4 Pro, that's what we're hearing, and DLSS will take that weaker hardware and squeeze out more. That's magic! That's, that, in the technological world, that's pretty magical. That was my position. Guess what? I can't be wrong because everything I just said is factual. I didn't say anything that's that's hyperbolic. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not overstating. I'm not presuming or assuming. I'm speaking only in facts here. That's everything we know what DLSS can do. It can take weaker hardware and it can squeeze out better performance. So you can take a game like Breath of the Wild and squeeze way more out of whatever this Nintendo Switch 2 is. You can't falsify anything I've just said. Everything I've just said is rooted in actual facts and research. I'm not being like, when I said magic, I wasn't like hyperbolically claiming that like, oh my gosh, the Nintendo Switch 2 is going to run Call of Duty at 80 FPS 4K. I was citing an instance where much weaker hardware got performance that seems like a dream. Like that doesn't even seem possible on a 2060. You need NVIDIA GPU to have DLSS. That's what's going to be in the Nintendo Switch. They're going to have a chipset that's DLSS compatible. Like, nothing that I just said can be falsified. It's very basic. It's like, this is how DLSS works. And the comeback was, it's not magic, and it's ruining games. And I asked for people to substantiate that it's ruining games, and I was given games like Jedi Survivor and Starfield that didn't even launch with DLSS support. Not all 4K60 is equal. (sighs) My position was very, very basic. My position was very, very fair. I was substantiating the idea that DLSS will enable weaker hardware to spit out better performance. That, if that was any more basic, I'd be describing bread. Like, there's nothing outlandish in that statement at all. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> it's so basic. There's nothing exaggerating there. It's just like, yeah, they're going to be able to get a lot more out of that. You might be able to have a respectable version of Call of Duty on that. I, the pushback I'm getting is bizarre. Nothing you said is wrong. I get it now. Right, like I think people projected on what I was saying. I was like, I'm I, when I say magic, that, that's 
I'm using... I actually was using somebody else's words. True SSJ Havoc said it wasn't magic. And I said, here's all the things it can do. That's, to me, that's magic. Right? Like, that's... (laughs) That's... That's impressive. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I was simply using his words. I wasn't trying to be like, DLSS is gonna is going to take us to the moon, you know, on a potato chip. That's not what I was trying to imply. Um, Drifty, thanks so much for renewing your membership. I appreciate that. Uh, what is this? Journey to Foundation launches October 26 on PSVR 2. Find out how the PSVR 2 features are bringing this immersive, narrative-driven sci-fi adventure to life. It sounds like they're describing a game that already exists. Journey to Foundation, based on Isaac Asimov's iconic book series. Very cool. Is this a new game? Gonna have haptic feedback, eye tracking, adaptive triggers, controller tracking, 4K HDR. It looks really cool. That's a month away, too. You ignored that Survivor and Starfield leaned on FSR, which grants as many frames as DLSS. The position isn't really about just DLSS, but upscalers such as DLSS, FSR, and XCSS. Okay, I'll take that action, Spriggan. The idea that they're going to use an upscaler to get more out of their game that's not what people were saying people were saying that they're not optimizing their games they're letting dlss do it for them talk about exaggeration that's not i I don't think that that's true (laughs) using upscalers to get more out of your game isn't using dlss to optimize your game those are functionally different things Optimizing your game is ensuring that it runs smooth, well, and consistent. That it's not hitching and glitching and stuttering because you're doing too much, right? You've got textures and draw distance and all those things not set properly, so then you end up with a game that runs inconsistent and runs poorly. Through SSJ Havoc with a $2 says, I'm referring more to Switch rather than the DLSS. Right, but... Sometimes I don't understand what people are arguing against. Is was did somebody walk in the room and say something about the Nintendo Switch being mind blowing and and being a, a, a powerhouse? I mean, I wasn't saying anything that required pushback. That was like ah, the Nintendo Switch is not going to be magic. All I said was, from everything we're hearing, this thing could run a respectable version of Call of Duty. I, I don't, I do not feel like that requires this level of pushback. I've been so much more measured in the things I've said lately. I think some of y'all like are expecting like a big grand rant debate. And when I say something pretty basic, like, well, yeah, I mean, everything we've heard about the Nintendo Switch and DLSS, they're, they could get a respectable version of Call of Duty on there. The word magic's kind of loaded, but I didn't say magic. True SSJ said magic. He said it's not magic. And I said, I didn't say anything that required that rebuttal. I only used his word because I was responding to him in context. My head's going to spin right off my shoulders. I swear to frick. I, I feel like I'm dreaming. I was like, I did. I, I don't understand what's happening. I didn't say anything that warranted that, that pushback at all. 
It's like somebody walked into the room, pressed pause, spoke for me, and then left. And then all of a sudden we're having this conversation about, is DLSS magic? And it's like, I was only responding to what True SSJ Havoc said, and I was like, I don't know, this sounds pretty impressive to me. We got this far because me and Cliffo talked about it being a bad thing. You said nothing wrong. We just interjected saying it's bad for gaming. It's related, but not in the vein you were going down. Yeah, and I don't even know about it being wrong. You got one. You got a video from somebody that's pointing to a handful of games that have launched, and that's all we need to be like, DLSS is ruining games? What? I've seen a trend of you being high on DLSS. I blame Wheezy. I mean, I'm excited at the prospect of Nintendo having a device that can crank out performance that's closer to what we're getting on, you know, like a like a PlayStation 5 game just running, you know, internal 1080 upscale to 60 I'm sorry, internal 1080 upscale to 1440 and then 60 FPS, like Returnal or something. Like, getting that level of performance in games on the Switch, I think is going to be awesome. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be awesome. Like, that's cool to me. That's exciting. I think maybe my excitement is being read as hype. I'm not trying to hype it up like, this thing's going to blow the PlayStation 5 Pro out of the water. This is going to blow your 5,000 PC out of the water. It's like, I'm not hyping it. I'm just excited. It's like, Nintendo Switch has been kind of, you know, it's a cool device. It's got fun games. But it's old, you know? It came out in 2017. It's not very strong. I'm excited that they're going to... I'm excited that developers will be able to bring games to console and utilize DLSS because we can't get that on consoles because they're they're not on uh, Nvidia chips, so we don't we don't they, they can't even try it. DLSS is an amazing tool. However, if devs utilize it as a shortcut, then it could possibly become a problem. I'd have to see more games to try to do that before I would say it's a trend. That's what I was saying. I was like, man, you gotta, you gotta, uh, uh, you gotta, uh, you gotta really, really substantiate that kind of a trend in the market. Does that make sense? I'm gonna need a, 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 a member's, uh, thumbnail. A 20 bomb! A 20 bomb from Charles Freeman! He slams it home! It got laid up to 30, and he says, let's go all the way, oops, let's go all the way to 50 insane who's going to be the agent of chaos it will be a race dlss is not ruining gamings it's not going to ruin games it's an optimization tool people arguing against it are literally smooth brains arguing for argument's sake and butter says it's kind of happening escape from targoff is a huge offender of this a huge offender of what Bear says, I want to temper even your current expectations. I think games like Zelda or Pokemon or Mario will look flawless upscale to 4K. I think COD will look like Sea of Artifacts and Blur. I don't think so. Gen A! Gen A is the agent of chaos. Thank you so much. Bumping it up to 51. That means we got a new goal to 75. Zubair, we'd have to go back and look at how Call of Duty looks and runs on a PlayStation 4 Pro. 
we have heard that the Nintendo Switch is basically equal to a PlayStation 4 Pro. Does Call of Duty look that bad back then? I don't think so. Especially a PlayStation 4 Pro that can harness DLSS. I, like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Like I said, I said a respectable version of Call of Duty. I didn't say crazy. I didn't say awesome. I didn't say insane. I said you could get a respectable version of Call of Duty on a Nintendo Switch. God, that is tame. That is such a tame... Cl- that That is... I don't mean to rhyme here. That's such a tame claim. Eugene says, does COD on PS4 look like a sea of artifacts and blur? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't... I don't know. I... I, I, I a respectable version of Call of Duty. That's... I think that's a very... That's a very measured prediction. <laughs> I... I don't feel like I said anything that's that strongly worded. I I know that I'm prone for rants and waving my arms around and getting really excited. I think this time I I, I kept it pretty measured. <laughs> like I said, with everything we're hearing about the Nintendo Switch 2, we you could you could see a respectable version of Call of Duty on Nintendo. I moved from that to say I don't know if there's there's demand in the market. I don't know if the Nintendo consumer base I don't know if there's demand for Call of Duty that would warrant the work that it would take to basically go backwards. You got to create a Call of Duty and then go backwards and optimize it for like PlayStation 4 power and then utilize DLSS and get upscaling and make it look pretty so that way it's respectable and it doesn't look like trash. Like, I don't know if they're going to want to do all of that for an audience that may say, eh, Call of Duty on Nintendo. Yeah, we've got Splatoon. Does that make sense? Like, I, part of my argument was even linked to that. Like, yeah, you could get a respectable version, but all of the work to get there, is that going to be justified by the demand within the Nintendo marketplace? Like, will that consumer base justify... Will it justify all the work to get there? Because you're, you're talking about going backwards, basically. You're asking Call of Duty to go backwards. Like, hey, can you can you build your game to, to work over here? Five gifted members from Aaron Claypool. Thank you so much. Taking us to 56. We have not hit 100 members in a day in a long time. Might be able to do it today. Yo, what's good, African Jedi? How are you? That's fine. We'll have to wait and see. We don't even really know what's the hard, what the hardware is yet. Also, the Switch is a 1080 screen, says Eugene. It doesn't need to upscale past that until it's docked, and dock will allow more power draw. <clears throat> Hang on, I'm, I'm clicking on something. I can't see chat for just a second. And I'm back. Switch 2 target 108060. I think Switch 2 demos were running on approximate hardware, not actual sock. Okay, I mean... Yeah, I I wasn't trying to hype it up. I wasn't trying to hype it up. I, um... Yeah, I feel like it was fair. Hang on. Is the monetization on this not set? Let me check again. Okay, now it's all set. Okay, I had to back out and go back in. Uh, set this as a premiere. Today's the 28th. We're going to go to a premiere in about 30, in 30 minutes. Um, Devolver Digital has some insight into why they refuse to go on PlayStation Plus and Game Pass. Um, and it's I think it's really insightful into where subservices are going and a lot of my own predictions about... Uh, indie titles 
not really getting um, great and compelling offers, uh, getting weaker offers. I kind of made the prediction that that would happen, and it seems like it's happening faster than I expected. So we'll be going to that in about 30 minutes. So you guys have a little bit of time if you want to push the member number a little bit further. I figured a day where we're talking about Game Pass, we're talking about Phil Spencer says, hey, look, we're not going to do Game Pass exclusives. I thought, well, that's a great day to do a video about Devolver Digital saying no to subservices. They didn't just say no to Game Pass. They said no to PS Plus as well. Uh, Devolver rejects... Uh, subservices. Is that? Okay. I was like, why is it saying this isn't a word? Uh, I, I, okay, I'll put it in. Here we go. And where's my thumbnail? Don't know subscription is good for us as filler games and play. Can this DLSS magic be used to upscale body parts? Asking for a friend, of course. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Let me see here. Members only, 12.15. Okay, hang on. Let me dismiss that. YouTube really, really wants us to run ads automatically in the live environment, and I always say no to that. Now, I'm be a hundred percent real with y'all, okay? Now, just listen to me now. If y'all like the fact that live shows like mine don't run ads automatically and constantly disrupt the show, you got to consider supporting because YouTube is a business and they might start forcing us to run ads if we're not generating enough you know support if I'm gonna stream for two and a half hours I really really hope YouTube never runs some kind of a metric that's like a hey, servicing up live streams isn't cheap it's not free you gotta run ads all the time now so once they move the ads to chat we will yeah, eventually they're going to only put ads in the chat. So if I run an ad, you'll see it in chat and it won't disrupt my video feed. But a really great way to avoid um, a really great way to avoid streamers running ads automatically is to uh, to support those streams because I really hope they never turn that on automatically. That would be terrible. And yes, I beat Jedi Survivor. I did. I'm now playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty and I'm really enjoying it. I played it last night. And I played a side gig mission where... No, I'm not going to get into any spoilers. And I I got in a great shootout. I snuck around a little bit. I had a really, really cool boss fight with like these robot things. And then at the end, I had a moral dilemma. I could kill the person I was there to kill, or I could let them live, and it would lead to bigger fish. And the choice you make... It, it impacts what happens. It was really cool. It was really cool. I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I literally went to the Discord and I was like, okay, okay. I, I see you, Cyberpunk. I see you. Are you threatening me? No, 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 no. Ads in chat. There's going to be a thing that YouTube launches. And listen to me now. Listen to me. They've got somebody in charge that knows what they're doing. Because they understand 
that we need ads in live streams. We do. We do. Think about it. You got 600 to 1,000 people hanging out at a given time, hitting them all with an ad every once in a while. That's a pretty good idea, right? Now, the reason I don't do it is it hurts viewership. It drives people away. So somebody at YouTube had the brilliant idea that if I run an ad, it'll place it over top of the chat for 60 seconds or something. Well, that's not a big deal because I can keep talking. You guys see the ad. It supports me. If you're YouTube premium, you don't see it at all. And it helps support the stream. It helps support me. And it doesn't disrupt the show. This is something that I have always said. You have to understand the live streaming ecosystem. If you want ads and monetization to work in the live stream ecosystem, you cannot disrupt the show. It doesn't work. If you're if you're sitting here watching me and having a good time and we're like, yeah, man, and guys, the really the really most important thing is and you're like, what happened? It, yeah, Blue Chew or whatever stupid ad pops up, right? You can't do that. That's not conducive to a live environment. So they actually have somebody in charge that understands that reality. The purple platform doesn't freaking get that at all. They do everything they can to disrupt the show. You can you can keep talking, but who do you respond to when no one can chat because of the ad? It's only a minute, Cliffo. Maybe 30 seconds. So that's not much time at all, considering usually I'm reading chat on a stream delay anyway. Now, yes, if I ran like five minutes of chat ads, that would extremely uh, sort of like logger. Oh my gosh, you can't talk to us. We can't talk either. Now, I don't know if you can't chat, Cliffo. You just can't see chat. I'm imagining you can still type and hit enter. It hasn't launched yet. So that would be my feedback to YouTube is, well, you got to let people keep chatting and talking and I would be able to see what they're saying. It would just take a second for you to see chat again. You'll be able to type, says Creature. There you go. I legit got mad at a cyberpunk character for forcing me to make a difficult decision last night. Not many games can do that. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron... Ron Jakar Patel, I can't read that. I mean, I can go to Google Translate uh, and see what what you're saying. It's a shame to say that it is magic. You are Asmongold, a male goat whose admirers enjoy exploring his tunnels. Unpleasant. I don't want anybody exploring my tunnels. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't even know what that... What? I'm Asmongold? I mean... I mean... Well, I just... <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> what would Asmongold say to that? <laughs> he like... Well, I, I, I just think that that means you. that's just the way that it is. That's just the way it is. You can't stop it. If you don't like it, horse mounts. Horse mounts. I tried to tell you. <laughs> horse mounts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
The eyebrows are almost impossible to do them. I can't do them the way that he does them. I can't. I, they're they're like animatronic. They're like animatronic. They're like me, 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 me. I can't do it, man. First time Lono's been speechless. I was truly like, I don't know what to say to this. You need a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Lono bald. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was good. Live, look at us exploring your tunnels. <laughs> I, what the frick? I don't even understand. Oh, man. Now that's an agent of chaos. Yeah, he completely disrupted the show. He really did. There it is, boys. That's right. I don't want anyone exploring my tunnels. I was I wasn't sure. I was like, uh, are you talking about my brain? Are you talking about my my ideas and my thoughts? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, back to what I was saying. If you guys don't want me running ads, then start gifting some members. <laughs> That's what I'll start doing. I'm totally kidding before this gets clipped. I'm totally kidding. I would never do that. Like, threaten to run ads if you don't gift members. I would never do that. We do not need to do that here. We have plenty of generous people. <laughs> Lono's face was like, this dude just made me work to translate my own insult. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Why do I have 20 emails? Oh, I always forget. At this time of day, the reminder goes out for our soccer games, and, like, all of the kiddos can respond, and it is... I get an email for every single kid that's like, I can be there, I can be there, I can be there. Um, Wait, what's this Witchfire thing? Witchfire gameplay video showcases NVIDIA DLSS 3. Oh, we were just talking about that. Fairy Afterlight is now available on Steam. Oh, that game looked so good, like a little indie game. I wishlisted that one. Hang on. Isn't exploring uh, tunnels for OnlyFans, not YouTube? I'm confused. Yes. Yep. Which professional soccer team do you root for? I usually cheer for the Netherlands. Holland. Orange. But I don't get to watch as much as I used to. I watched them in the Euro Euro Cup one year, and they were like, their passing game was so good. They They were just, they were passing all around Germany. And I was like, I think I'm going to cheer for this team. I really like these guys. So. Uh, Reminded me of the Italian guy raging at WoW devs back in the day. He used a translator to put it into English, and it came out accusing the devs of having ham on their eyes. <laughs> yep, Witchfire using DLSS. They're not optimizing their game. The prequel to PS5 exclusive Phantom Blade Zero launches November 2nd. Phantom Blade Executioners is the prequel to Phantom Blade Zero that was shown at PlayStation Showcase this year. It's a hand-printed... Oh, it's a hand-painted 2D side-scrolling game? 
No way. That's cool that they're doing that. Why would they? That's a weird decision, honestly. I actually think that is kind of a weird decision, though. To do a prequel to that game and to do it in... um, To do it as like a side-scroller. I feel like that's kind of interesting. Lords of the Fallen trailers just dropped. Yeah, yeah, that's... October's about to really, really heat up. Yeah, October's about to really, really heat up. A lot of games. A lot of games. Lords of the Fallen, Spider-Man, AC Mirage is what, like, next week, right? On the 5th, I want to say? I can't remember the exact date, but I know they back theirs up. It's It's about to be... It's about to be good. It's about to be really good. We're about to get into another feast of uh, a feast of gaming again. October is so full. It's too full. It really, really is. What there was a game just today that delayed itself into October, and I was like, "Why in the frick would you do that?" What was the game that delayed itself um, into October? Uh, it's a smaller, it's a smaller title. Uh, I can't remember it. Yeah, Alan Wake Two looks insane. Info dropping now. Lono's been bragging about his physique for too long. Time to show the results. Let's get 10,000 subs and make it happen. I'm not taking my shirt off. Well, I know I would take my shirt off for 10,000 subs. (laughs) See how quickly you sell out, chat? That fast. It's that fast. It's like, I will never, ever... How much do you make on OnlyFans? All right, I'm going to consider it. All that conviction just thrown out the window. You're like, no, I will totally do that. On the road to 10,000 subs, I would I would start working out again so that I would actually have something to show, right? As opposed to like, there's dad bod and then I have like, I have like petite dad bod. It's still a dad bod, right? Nothing you can do about it. It just happens. Euden Chronicles released a game called Rising companion game to introduce you to the world and the characters Hellboy thank you Alapark yeah Hellboy bumped themselves back into October I'm like why would you do that why why would you do that like October's so full just keep going go a couple more weeks You know, according to articles, dad bods are preferred. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not trying to restart the DLSS thing again, but I have found Ray reconstruction to be pretty mid, especially since it needs full path tracing. Curious how Alan Wake 2 ends up looking. Yeah, Alan Wake 2, from everything we've seen, looks nice. But I mean, again, th- th- we're, we were relying on like YouTube and everything else. So it's like you just... You know, once it's in your hands, it's always a little bit different. But also, I kind of think you're in a you're, you're. I really think you're in a unique category, Zuby. You are 
you are at the the tip of the spear and i think the average consumer isn't number one the average consumer doesn't have a rig that can do or care about all the stuff that you're talking about a little a little belly fat equals lasting longer in bed these guys out here with Buddha bellies are like, <laughs> it's my time now. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, Zuby? Like, you're at the tip of the spear, right? You you have a rig and an affinity and, like, a you're tuned into things that, like, 90% of the community, the gaming community globally, can't even touch. Like, you, they can't even touch it. They can't, they, number one, they might not even know what in the heck you're talking about. Number two, even if they understand what you're saying and they value it, they don't even have a rig strong enough to care. I acknowledge I'm at the tip of the spear and Eugene is right. I'm looking for digital heroin. <laughs> right. You're chasing the dragon. That's exactly right. So I think when you look at it, that's the bias you bring to the table. You own it. You don't try to hide that. That's always respectable, right? Like, that's the bias you bring to the table. You're like, yeah, but the, the, but the path tracing... Just doesn't look that good. And you know what I you know what I say when you say that? I say, what are you talking about? What's that mean? Like that's me. I'm like the guy that's like, it looks pretty. I know enough to know when the frames aren't acting right, if textures are popping in, and if the draw distance or the pop in of, of, of world pieces, you know, I, I I can see that. Weirdness with shading, shadows, lighting, artifacting. It's got to be pretty extreme to get my attention. It's got to be pretty noticeable for me to say, oh, something's not right here. Something's not right. The game's not running right. Like, I'm, I'm not tuned in at the level that you are. If the game runs well, I'm happy. Can we not do this? Like, pop ups? I always forget the one S. I always want to say deep learning sampling. It's deep learning super sampling. That's what DLSS stands for. It's learning technology. It's machine learning technology. Like that they're leveraging to get more performance out of weaker hardware. It's a, it's a, it's a way to help. And the, and the argument people were making was that developers are leaning on it too much. Being serious, all you actually need to know is if it looks pretty to you, the rest is not important. Right, right. And I think, and I think that I think that is where the subjectivity of graphics gets funky because we've gotten into this discussion so many times. Review embargo for Spider-Man Two is October sixteenth. What is that? That's four days before release? Yeah, that's four days before release. This feels early? No, it doesn't. The review embargo for God of War Ragnarok was six days before release. So, if they're going to let people release their their thoughts on that game on the 16th, they're giving them two full weeks to play it. So, that's the 16th. That's four days before the release date. Ragnarok was six. They're giving them ample time to play the game. I think that's great. I would much rather somebody... Because the review embargo is healthy. Because it's not like right up against the release date. That's something that we want. We always always want... That shows crazy confidence, right? You're going to let the public know all the reviews are going to hit 
four days before the game comes out. Like, that's fantastic. And beyond that, you're giving the review outlets two weeks and some change to play the game. That's great. That means they don't have to beeline the story. They can do all of the side quests. They can explore the world. That's fantastic for the outlets that are getting copies that early. That's what's great. That means we're going to get a really good picture of the game before it comes out. You don't want them getting it like a week ahead of time. A week for a game like that? Well, they're going to have to rush. I don't and and I I don't want that. Then they're going to set it to story difficulty and not experience any any challenges or difficulty at all. And they're going to beeline through the story to be like the story's cool. Like two weeks and some change is great. I think that's really really good. Starfield was a mere hours before release. No, no. You're following the Red Dragon on Twitter. It was not a mere hours before release. It was one day before early access. Meaning, if the reviews compelled you, you could then go pre-order or buy early access into Starfield. I it didn't it, the release date of Starfield was the following week. That, I, I don't like that framing. I don't agree. I don't agree with that framing at all. I know I know Red Dragon and other guys were framing it that way. I don't agree with that framing at all. It wasn't um, it wasn't mere hours before release. It was the day before early access, meaning you had ample time as a consumer to consume, read, watch reviews, and then if you were compelled, say, I'm gonna upgrade for early access. I'm going to I'm going to buy and play over the weekend. I I thought that was fine. The issue with the Starfield reviews is not when they dropped, it's how they controlled who could review them. Don't focus on the wrong issue. We talked about this yesterday in my Cyberpunk Starfield can learn from Cyberpunk discussion. That's better to go and say, well, listen, they controlled who could review the game. And once that control was let go of and the public got to talk and the other outlets got to talk, the score came down. That's more important to discuss than it dropped mere hours before the game released. Oh, stop it. It was early access and it was the day before. That's enough. Listen. Your criticisms will always be better and they will always land harder when you're not taking cheap shots. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? Listen, these these Sony guys, if you want to land your haymakers, then don't take the cheap shots. The haymakers will hit harder. Do you understand the analogy? Yo, Zachary guy with a single gifted member takes us to 57. 75 is definitely within reach. We haven't hit 100 gifted members in a while. We might do it today. You watch No One Will Save You? Isn't that the... Is that the scary movie that... um, Who was just gushing about that? Was that Stephen King? I heard about that for some reason. I feel like that was the headline that I saw. My whole argument got hijacked and misconstrued. My point was the Switch 2 has to be capable as a machine in and of itself rather than running the game at 720 or 1080 and hoping DLSS helps. I understand your point, true SSJ. I understand. Whoa, 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 I ain't a pony. I didn't say you were a pony. Do you follow Red Dragon? I follow Red Dragon. I don't consider myself a pony. I follow him on Twitter. And when he framed it that way, I didn't feel it was accurate. I was like, that's not true. It wasn't mere hours. It was the day before. And it was early access. And I don't agree 
Eugene says, I call that release, but to each their own. Yeah, I don't agree by calling early access the release date. I don't, because especially when a game is hitting Game Pass. All Game Pass subscribers could sit and patiently wait for the release date, spend no extra money, and play the game day and date. And they had plenty of time to look at reviews, read and watch reviews, and make a decision about whether or not they wanted to upgrade for early access. I don't think there was anything wrong with the embargo. Again, don't focus on the wrong thing. Don't focus on the embargo date for Starfield. Focus on the fact that they controlled who could review the game. Don't you see? You're you're making a better criticism. You're landing a better punch. You're landing a better punch when you say, I'm not going to focus on the embargo timing because it actually was pretty good. It wasn't bad. It was almost an entire week before the official release of the game. Then take your swing and say, you try to control who could review the game, and as soon as you didn't have that control, the score dropped. That's a better shot to take. <clears throat> yeah, the reason we're talking about this, Cliffo, is because the Spider-Man 2 embargo dates four days before the release of the game. I called the release. The review still landed before release. Nothing wrong with the practice. Yeah, even if you call it a release, what Eugene's saying is very important. Even if you consider early access the official release of Starfield, the embargo still dropped the day before, giving you ample time to make a decision. If, if the game is releasing on a Friday and the review embargo drops on a Thursday, you have plenty of time to educate yourself as a consumer. There's nothing wrong with how Starfield's embargo date was handled. It was, it was totally fine. Thoughts on Jim Ryan stepping down? I mean, his planned retirement, I just don't think is as big of a deal as people are making it. The, the, the way he describes his life, it makes sense to break a bunch of records, make a ton of money, get PlayStation on a really, really good trajectory, and then get the frick out and go spend time with your family. He's spending a couple of weeks in this country, a couple of weeks in that country, a week in this country. The guy, the guy lives in a perpetual state of jet lag, like, and he's he's in his fifties. Everybody's debating about his age. I believe he's in his fifties. I'm in my forties, and I wouldn't want to do that, especially because I have a family. But I cannot imagine being in my fifties and basically living in a different country every couple of weeks. He's going out on a high note, like. The, I guarantee you, you will see it framed as this. You will see YouTube videos and discussions. They're going to frame it and say, he's leaving because of ABK. That's not, that's not how CEOs step down. His job and his responsibility was not, you better stop this merger or you're out. That's ridiculous. He contributed to the conversation. He showed up and did his job and he went home. The regulators... It's their job to decide whether or not to let it through or not. Here's the grand irony. For all of the Xbox-centric outlets that are going to run with that story, doesn't that mean that it should have been blocked then? Right? If Jim Ryan failed in his job to block the merger... And that's why he's that's why he's he's retiring. Aren't you passively admitting that it should have been blocked then? Well, no, it's a good deal. It should be approved. The regulators should let it through. Then why would Jim Ryan be fired for not successfully blocking the deal? 
these are mutually exclusive positions. You're contradicting yourself. If the deal is good and the regulators did the right thing, then Jim Ryan had no hope of blocking the merger. You're contradicting yourself. You see how that works? When you false frame things, when you false frame things and you have an agenda and bias determines how you present facts, you obfuscate or twist facts to suit a narrative, you're going to contradict yourself. That's a contradictory position. If this is a good deal and the regulators did the right thing, then firing him or having him retiring because he didn't successfully block the deal, that's illogical. Because that's not the reason he's stepping down. That's not the reason he's planning his retirement. He's like, I'm planning to retire in this month next year. It has nothing to do with ABK. Arguing that it has something to do with ABK is bad faith refuse. It's not true. It's a bad faith false frame that contradicts the position that this is a good acquisition and should go through. You can't have it both ways. You can't. Lono is indeed in his 40s, but he looks like he's in his 20s. In exchange, I'm in my 40s, and I look like I'm in my 60s. Right. I mean, you ever consider that you're praying to the wrong god, Zubair? (laughs) I gotta... We gotta go to... We gotta go to this premiere. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. We gotta go to this premiere. I got a premiere for you guys. Devolver Digital has declined offers to be on PS Plus as well as Game Pass. And we're going to look at why. We're going to look at why. Some of this lines up with some predictions I've made about indie titles not being, you know, given good offers, not being able to get... uh, They're not going to be prioritized going forward on these subservices, and we're already seeing... Uh, we're already seeing the beginning of that. So, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need a bunch of y'all, I need a bunch of y'all to hit the like button if you have not already. Hit that like button if you have not already because that helps out this video. We're going to go to a new video that also needs you to smash the like button. Alright? So we need both. These videos go on after I'm not live. And when they have likes and comments, it really helps. So, if you've ever enjoyed a live stream, don't forget to come back around and leave a comment don't forget to come back around and you know say what you thought that helps as well and also you know don't forget to like the video now i'm gonna redirect you but there's also a link in chat you can press the link in chat and uh and you can come with us and that will get you guys into the new video if redirect doesn't work it'll also be uh the the featured video on the channel so let's head over to this and then when this video is over we'll go to members I'm going to give some members in this premiere it enables you guys to get the highest amount of members you guys can still hit 75 in the premiere if you want to keep gifting members I will see you guys over there let's go see what uh, Devolver Digital has to say